Well, again, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg, and I'm thirsty. Um, I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and uh, as it was already said, it is uh, so good to be able to see you, be together with you, and also good to know those of you who are connecting online that you're able to do that, and uh, really what we want you to hear is that however you're engaging with us right now, we're excited uh, about it. Um, we do feel like if you're online, one of the best ways to do that is through our online platform at uh, www.onelifeseattle.org slash live, um, and there there's all kinds of extras and goodies and, and fun things for you to uh, be able to engage with that just really facilitate a really great online experience. So hopefully you can check that out. Uh, as Rich mentioned, uh, you're going to need your Bible, so if you haven't got uh, one of those, you should go get that as soon as you can. We have some in the back if you don't have it, or you can access them on lots of different devices too. There's a, a Bible app on our online platform also, and that, that's a great space to do that. Um, with all that, let me pray, and then we'll dive into our stuff uh, for this morning. Dear God, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence in our lives. Um, yeah, God, I'm deeply thankful for that that reality that you are with us, um, and God, that it's, it's, it's even in the midst of, of when we aren't close, we're, we're, we're even wanting distance from you at times, uh, and you are with us, um, present. Uh, and so I just give you great thanks for that, that you have created space uh, for us to be family uh, with you. And so I give you great thanks for that, Abba, and ask that you be with us today in all that we're doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so uh, I'm just checking. That one is not working. Is that one working? There we go. Awesome. Okay. Um, so I'm going to move this because I don't need lots of technology that's not working. Uh, when you're a bear like me, uh, Winnie the Pooh used to say things like, oh, a bear of this, a bear of that. So I'm going to quote Winnie the Pooh. And just, when you're a bear like me, you don't need uh, more things that aren't working. You just need the ones that are helpful. So <laughs> um, sorry about that. Uh, we're in our uh, deep into this series on discipleship called uh, Finding Our Way in Jesus. And uh, we have explored a lot uh, in the time we've been through this, and we're really coming up to the end of it. At the end of this month, we will have reached the end of this series, um, and it has been really robust and full and rich, um, and, and so we're going to keep on moving. I'm going to walk through it in kind of the normal way that we have been. I've got some quotes, but then I'm going to kind of show you uh, maybe a visual representation of kind of how this is, is all working out. Uh, but some of those quotes that I mentioned, first of all, is Esau Macaulay, uh, Professor Esau Macaulay, and he says this, uh, as all of Paul's letters make clear, Christian discipleship is about showing how the implications of the gospel spread out in a thousand directions. Um, and it's really just this idea that there's so many different ways, whether it's just in our own lives or in different people, that, that the gospel uh, moves out in different directions uh, and, and what it looks like and, and how unique it is um, in, in each different person. Uh, and then uh, Grace Jisoon Kim and Graham Hill, uh, they said this, we must not root Christian identity in nationalism, ethnicity, partisan politics, sociopolitical, economic status, gender, and other such things. Instead, we must root Christian identity in discipleship to Jesus Christ. 
This identity is formed through a vision of what it means to be a distinct people with an alternative ethic, politic, and life together. Again, saying there are all these other things that, 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 that we might try to uh, allow to, to shape and move who we are as followers of Jesus, but that the, the, the thing that it all has to be rooted in is discipleship to Jesus. That identity, that's where it has to be. And then uh, Caesar Kalinowski uh, said, discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel of Jesus in absolutely every area of life. And so every single thing that we do, think, uh, all of it, uh, there's, there's the invitation to, to shift from unbelief to belief. And then we felt this was all really summed up well in Acts 17, 28, where it says, for in him, in Jesus, we live, move, and have our being. So that kind of covers all of it, that everything, that this very holistic uh, idea that it's with our whole person that we follow um, Jesus. Now, as I said, some of us are more visual, and so I'm going to hopefully give something that will show you just in a different way kind of how robust this series has been. When we first started, we talked about there's this idea of a rabbi and a student, and then what it really meant was that there's this rabbi as a person and a student, and the student's going to follow that rabbi in, in, in every way, shape, and form. And so in our discussion, the rabbi is Jesus, our Lord, and the student are followers of Jesus. So disciples, apostles, anyone who's following Jesus. Now, when we first started, we talked about how this could be expressed as a way of life, like everything we do, right? And, and, and some of the questions that we even sort of have been throwing around would be like asking the rabbi or the teacher, so not just what are your great teachings, but, but why do you get up when you do? Like, why do you sleep over there? Why do you eat that food, right? I remember one time visiting some monks um, up at uh, Westminster Abbey in, uh, in Mission, B.C., and I had all these ideas about what monks would be like. And I was standing, and, and a friend of mine were standing there talking with this one monk, and it was in between meals, and they were out doing work all around the grounds. And we were just talking to this guy, and all of a sudden, you know, and he's got the long, uh, it's kind of like a robe, but just the, the, the clothes that they wear, but it's a, it's a long piece in the front. And he was talking, all of a sudden he just took it and wiped his nose and, you know, and let it go back down. You could see there was a big smear of, like, snot on his on his garment, and I was like, you are living in a different world than I am, right? In some ways, it's genius, right? <laughs> uh, I remember thinking back as a kid, that was how things should be, like clothes and napkins could all be one. Uh, but, right, but so, you know, I wanted to ask, so, so why did you do that? Why is here? That's totally okay. If I did that in my circles, I wouldn't have circles, right? So, um, but, you know, so asking the rabbi every single thing, right, every question. And so then we talked about how um, it's, it's that we follow a person. Again, and this is sort of getting at that same idea. It's not just rules, although those are part of it. It's not just doctrine, although that's part of it, and thoughts and all that stuff. But it's, it's a person that we're in a relationship with. And off of that, we talked about how this is part of identity, right, and, and, and that it, it shapes who we are. And we talked about how as followers of Jesus, we're, we're uh, part of a family, uh, that we are a servant, and that we are also a missionary or a sent one. And those were kind of new identities that we uh, take on as we become followers of Jesus. And then we moved into this, this part of this series where we talked about things in the phrase of the way, Right? And so the first one we talked about was the way of dependence, where we really explored what it means to be dependent upon Jesus and in everything we do, and that we follow Jesus, this person, and we really look to Jesus to know where we're supposed to go. What is the way? 
And then we talked about the way of encounter, right? That again, focusing in on that idea of a person and, and looking at some of the things that, that, that happened with Jesus. How did he interact with people? How did people interact with him? One of the things I love is that when we look at the gospel, especially when we talk about prayer, and we, we label it as something like prayer is just talking to God. Now that means every conversation that anyone had with Jesus is prayer. And so when I look at the questions that people asked, it really opens up what prayer can look like, right? That, that there was this idea that, well, you could ask him a question that I might feel like, no, I wouldn't ask that. Or, you know, Peter can rebuke Jesus, right? No, you can't do that. Oh. And I might feel like that's definitely off limits, uh, but Peter felt free to go there, and then Jesus handled that, and Peter stayed with him. And so I think we can see uh, it opens things up when we sort of go through this way of encounter. Uh, then we talked about the way of justice and, and, and really explored how justice, uh, God has this idea and this reality of justice that he lives out, that Jesus, we're told, uh, gave up his rights, that, that he was denied justice for the sake of others. And we explored what does that mean uh, for us. Today, we're going to be looking at the way of hospitality, so I won't talk about that. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but then we're also going to be looking at the way of prayer. We're going to be looking at the way of service. We're going to be looking at the way of the Spirit. These are all coming up. And then the other thing I wanted to make sure I added in here were the things that you all shared, right? Because we had these moments, and we're going to have a couple more, where, 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 where you all got to share some things uh, with, with the group, too. And one of those was that, uh, an identity piece on being a, a child of God. And what that really meant, how we're known, uh, and, and the reality of, of we are a child of God. Um, there was also uh, a moment shared about the importance of friends and family, this idea of community, and that people who come alongside us are people that we look up to. And there was a, an image of a, a son sitting with their father in church during communion, and, and how that impacted the son, and, and, and what he heard and saw in that moment, and how that shaped uh, who, who he was. Then there was this idea of it's, it's active, it's participatory, right? It's, and it's not so much just things we do, but when Jesus, uh, these disciples at one point follow Jesus, and, uh, and they don't really know him, but he stops and he says, well, what do you want? And they're like, oh, we want to know where you're staying. He says, well, come and see. And there's this sense of like, you, you have to move, you have to go and be with Jesus and participate with him in the things that he's doing. And then there was this idea of being with Jesus, where, uh, it, again, it wasn't so much focused on, um, I'm going to read this like a paper that's out here, like, like the rules or something, but I'm going to sit with Jesus and just be, right? What is it like to just sit with Jesus and allow Jesus to speak uh, and move in us? And then uh, the last one was a sense of willingness, right? And this goes back to that active participatory one that um, there has to be this sort of almost desire to like, yeah, I want to go, right? I want to follow uh, and see what Jesus has. And so this, I think, shows like this is like all these different ideas are either things we have talked about or are going to talk about. And really, if, if you just honed in on one of those, that would be fantastic, um, and so our hope is not that you just get all of these, but right, what are the ones that really you feel like are stirring stuff in you and, and start exploring those, but then as life goes on, you can certainly get into more of these. But I also think it paints a picture, sort of that Esau Macaulay quote and some of the other ones that talk about how many different directions uh, the gospel moves. Like we can just see just with these, right, it, it moves in a lot of directions. So um, 
So that, that was kind of that. Now with that in mind, we're going to talk today about hospitality. And really, I'm going to talk for a few minutes and then you all are going to do a bunch of talking. We're going to get you into groups uh, and have you go through some passages. And I want to give a lot of time to that. So I'm going to try to just give a quick background on hospitality in scripture and then, uh, and then really give you all um, some space to investigate. And what I really want to talk about for a moment is how what we talk about as hospitality is really built off this uh, ancient culture structure called kinship. Uh, and you might remember this from a few uh, sermons back where we talked about the identity as family. Um, and, and it's this idea that people saw each other as, as family. And that was kind of one of the, the main ways of, of, of knowing someone. And, and who, who gets to have the privileges of family? Who doesn't? Who, who am I participating in this with and who am I not? Uh, and it was those kinds of questions. And uh, Mark Glanville says this, since the beginning of human relationships, humankind has associated via networks of kinship connections. And so really saying that this has been like one of the foundational, predominant ways that people have seen each other and made connections. Um, and he also said that there are seemingly endless ways in which kinship uh, has been forged. And what he's saying there is, Typically for us uh, in the West, we think of it as who, who are like my blood relatives? Who am I like genetically tied to? Um, but many other cultures, it's, it's really different. And it could be, you know, one of my friends uh, is a Greek Orthodox priest. And one of the things he talks about is uh, you have, it's, it's your name day, right? So whoever, uh, you know, whatever your name is, there's a saint uh, attached to that or someone famous within uh, the, the Orthodox heritage. Um, and so all these people will be like, oh, we got the same name day, right? So there's something that ties them together. Uh, many of us have experienced something like this if we've uh, participated in sports together or we've done uh, events together or we've been through something with other people in life together. Um, and, and you feel that connection that you have. Uh, and so it's not something that's completely uh, uh, you know, strange to us. We just don't typically identify it as a kinship uh, model. Uh, but it's been happening throughout history for a long time. And, and one of the best uh, aspects of this that we talked about was solidarity. Um, uh, and I thought really represented well in this uh, quote by Marshall Salings. And he says, kinsfolk are persons who participate intrinsically in each other's existence. They are members of one another. And so there's this idea, this sort of mutuality of being, uh, of coming together and being active together and in, involved in each other's lives. And now some of us, this is really not a, a happy thing to think about. Some of us feel like, I would like to have as few people involved in my life, especially intrinsically involved, uh, as possible. And it doesn't say you have to have like a thousand, right? But that how do we work in these structures and can we work in these structures where we see each other as family. Um, now, so that's kind of background for that. Um, and, and what I want us to do is we're going to break up in groups. Now, I learned from last time, I think. Um, and so, where it says stage, that's this. This is the stage, right? Last time I made tons of mistakes in sort of, in sort of splitting people up. So, group one and two and three and four. And if you want to just look around and sort of say, okay, here's the front half, here's the back half, um, I would like you to get into groups of three or four. Um, and if, if there's a few more, that's fine. Uh, so, over here, group one, 
group two, group three, group four, group five, you're online at home. Uh, what I want you to do is look at these different passages, whichever group you're in, uh, and then answer these questions as just like a launch pad. You might find, oh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this passage that doesn't even get addressed in these questions, and you might want to go after that. You might want to say, I think that really ties into this idea of do we see each other as family and hospitality and sort of making space for others? Um, and so that's what we're going to do for, I'd like us to go for at least 10 minutes. Uh, I want to warn group four, you have a long passage, right? 48 verses. So um, if you want to just read through it on your own, uh, that's fine. I would like it if someone from each group could read uh, out loud, but if you just need to read through it on your own to get, to get it going, that's fine. And then we'll take a few minutes at the end and let each group give a quick summary of the passage they looked at, and then some of the things they found uh, in those questions or their own exploration that seems like it contributes to the discussion on uh, hospitality. And then we'll have the online group share with us too, because we have that technology uh, to, to be able to get, get their input also. So, any questions with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you be, you're group four. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So one, two, three, four, and five are online. Okay.
And we'll go for about five more minutes. You're all doing awesome. Okay, so let's come on back, and thank you so much for participating in that. Um, 
we're just going to give uh, each group a, a quick moment to share uh, a quick summary of the passage you had, and then uh, some of the, you know, the, the big points uh, that you either found interesting or that, that just answered those. So let's start with uh, group one, who had, uh, you had Acts 16, 11 through 40. Uh, just give a quick summary of the passage and then maybe some of the, 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 the highlights of your discussion. It was a story of Paul and Philippi, and there were actually two different hosts, Lydia, who kind of bookends the front where she invites him into her house, and then later after he's been through a bunch of other experiences, they kind of have a farewell send-off for him at her house. And in the middle of here, you have the story of how he was imprisoned because he healed this uh, fortune-telling slave woman. And then the, uh, in jail, they had this miraculous event that uh, led to the jailer inviting them into his house. And then the jailer accepted the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And what was, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this story. And it, it, what I was really impressed with in particular was that in both stories, the hosts ended up accepting the Lord because mm. of the message of Paul and the team of people mm. that he was traveling with. Mm. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Group two. So we were in uh, Genesis 18, 1 through 15. And uh, this is the story of Abraham, who was visited by the Lord by the tree of Mamre, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he, saw, he looks up and he sees three strangers. And immediately what he does is invite these strangers into his home, and he instructs people to take care of them. He gives them water, he washes their feet, uh, and then they go make bread. And then he tells um, one of the, his servants to go and kill the fatted calf, basically, and to uh, make this huge feast for these three strangers. And so we were thinking about the fact, and one of us looked up, that it was 36 pounds of flour that went into that bread. And, you know, it wasn't just um, the leftovers sitting in the refrigerator, but it was a feast that was made and likely lasted for a long time, probably past a day or so, because, you know, how long does it take to cook half of the cat, fatted <laughs> calf? Um, and then, uh, as Abraham is doing all this, there's a discussion that ensues, and um, they ask him, where is your wife Sarah? Well, the scripture doesn't address the fact that they he knew his wife, those strangers knew his wife's name. So we wondered, you know, are we talking about angels here? Because there's a scripture that talks about entertaining angels unawares. Um, but also that um, these strangers tell him, oh, next year when we come by, uh, your wife is going to have a son. Well, uh, his wife Sarah was at that time about 103 years old. <laughs> So her reaction was to laugh. And the Lord confirms to Abraham, yes, indeed, you will have a son. And Sarah says, oh, no, I, I didn't laugh. Um, so there's this whole interaction of the descendants of Abraham and how that's going to get started and how that happens. 
Um, and it all was based on the hospitality that Abraham showed to those three men, the strangers. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. All right, group three. Yes, okay, so we read the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And essentially, um, there's a widow, and she's working, and Elijah comes and says, Hi, can you get me some water and bread? And the widow says, We don't have any, or we have enough for one meal, um, but I will take you in anyway. And so Elijah comes in, and he says, Okay, well, now you have... Uh, your jar of flour will never run out, and your oil will never run out. And uh, that is true, and the word stays there, and uh, Elijah stays with them, and they have food for a long time. And after some time, um, the widow's son becomes ill and dies, and Eli because of uh, their hospitality to Elijah, Elijah was there, and uh, cried out to the Lord, and her son was revived and lived. So, um, yes. <laughs> Thank you. And group four. <laughs> We're going to share. Um, so ours was about um, basically Cornelius uh, being led by the Spirit to invite Simon Peter to his home and the Spirit um, revealing to Simon Peter the vision of the sheep and the animals that were that he was declaring to be clean and we um, we had some uh, confusion about who the host was and since the guest was we had three different hosts and three different guests yes. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, because in some ways, like the Holy Spirit is the host of all of this, where he's arranging it and making sure all of the pieces come together. And everyone kind of has to play their role, but it's changing all of the time. So the thing that kind of stood out to us the most is that like people are willing to like do weird things that they wouldn't normally do. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Thank you. And then our online group, Jessica's going to share for them. So the online group um, read the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, um, and some things that stood out to them uh, were that Jesus basically just invited himself over. <laughs> he said, I'm coming. And Zacchaeus was like, awesome, I'm glad, and, and was like very open, um, and how that's not always reflected um, in our Western culture. Uh, and that it ended with salvation and because of this salvation was possible for Zacchaeus's whole family um, and uh, one person noted that it was interesting in verse 6 that, Zacche um, that Zacchaeus so you're inviting yourself home or any kind of discourse like that there wasn't any talk about it it's like he immediately became the host due to Jesus' requests and desire to be with him um, so it was like very like mutual, which was cool. Um, and I'm just seeing if there's anything else. Uh, just note, noting some differences between some other encounters and how this was a really unique and mutual yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jessica. Well, and thank you everyone for all that. It is 
there's a lot in there. Um, and there's many more stories throughout Scripture that are like this, that, that sort of paint this picture of what hospitality uh, can look like. And it really has a lot of different um, expressions. And, um, you know, and, and I had you explore who is the host and who is the guest to really see that in some passages of Scripture, it's really clear. And in others, it switches back and forth throughout the stories. In some, it doesn't really seem like anyone's. I mean, they're kind of the host because it's in their space, but they didn't arrange it really. Um, and then in others, you just have Jesus sort of saying, yeah, I'm coming to your house, right? And so, yes, Zacchaeus is the host, but Jesus arranged it. And so it feels like, is Jesus pushing that on Zacchaeus? Or, well, no, he was happy about it. So there is this mutuality in it. But, but there's all this stuff um, uh, about this. And one of the things that I, I wanted to just quickly add into this is... Um, we often think of hospitality as really being fully on the host side of things, right? That, that, that as a host, we want to create a good space for people to, to feel that sense of kinship, to feel that sense of family. Um, but I think it's interesting, too, to look at it from the, from the perspective of the guest, and specifically because God often positions uh, themselves as a guest, Right? Jesus is going to go to Zacchaeus' house. God is going to dwell among his people. Right? And so there's this sense of, of, of what it takes to be a guest in the hospitality uh, side of things too. And one of the things that I think is interesting, even looking at Elijah and, uh, with the widow and her son, because he shows up and says, give me some of your stuff. And they say, it's really all we got. In fact, we were going to take this and eat it and then die like this is our last meal and he's like sweet so give that to me uh, give some of it to me and then there's going to be this blessing that happens um, and it's not so much of an economic exchange but it's that as the guest one what what goodness can what blessing can we bring but also when we go into or when a person goes into someone else's space it completely flips sort of the power dynamic, right? If I go as a guest into someone's house, I am, I am living into their rules and their systems and their way of doing things. Um, and so there's a way that going as a guest allows someone to be sort of the, the lead in, in how things are going. Um, and, and especially, I think, in the, the one with Peter and Cornelius, there's that whole dynamic of Peter's not supposed to be in the house of anyone who's not Jewish because they'd be unclean. And he even says that as he walks in. He's kind of like, oh, by the way, you all know that I'm not supposed to come into this house, uh, but here I am, and I'm going to go do it anyways, right? And so there's this idea of, uh, you know, Peter's giving over to that, like, there's this system that I'm not supposed to engage with. That's what I've been trained my whole life for. But I've seen this thing with this vision from the sheet where all these animals, as it was said, poured down. And, uh, and Peter, God tells Peter, like, you know, don't say something's unclean that I have made. Um, and so Peter says, so I'm willing to go in and I'm learning something different. But I'm, I'm doing that in a, in a posture of humility. Uh, and so I think there's some really interesting dynamics in all of this. And you all hit on a ton of them really really well. So thank you again um, for that. But I think the question is, is how do we take then what was part of an ancient culture and bring it into our culture today, right? It, 
Is it, is it different today to invite a stranger who we bump into uh, at, the, at the grocery store into our home? I would say it is, right? It's not the same culture, and it's not, but how do we then take that, that same sort of, how do we make space for people to be family in our culture? Um, and so, um, you know, I have, uh, you know, these questions I kind of asked they're kind of general and, 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 and kind of vague in some ways. The, the ones about, you know, how do you receive hospitality? What's the outcome? There's lots of directions those could go. And I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask to close. And I'm asking them generally uh, because there's so many different expressions. Like, how do we bring it into today? It could be making space even within your own family for people to experience this sort of kinship idea. Right? Maybe there's relationships within your family structure that haven't been working that way. Right? And so there's, there's ways to do that. Now again, these don't mean that you just open yourself up to absolutely be destroyed or walked on or anything like that. How do you do it in a way that can actually promote family and kinship? Right? It could be with friends. It could be with colleagues. It could be with classmates or neighbors. Maybe people in the same line with you at the supermarket or the coffee shop. Maybe you're at the soup kitchen. Maybe you're at a food bank. Maybe you're in a shelter. All these places, it doesn't matter. There are opportunities for these relationships, these kinship relationships to take place. And, and I can't say for you in your space what that looks like. What it requires is that we know our space, we get into our space, and then we can identify those things. The other thing I just want to highlight is that in all of these, the hosting or the guesting, um, there's dignity that is revealed. Um, and, and God, in God's love, um, that goes beyond the boundaries of, of, of our ability to love, shows that, right? That there's a, a dignity in being human and being cared for, being created by God. Um, and we see that uh, really well expressed. I have two questions here, but this icon we look at a lot, it's, a, it's an image of the Trinity uh, uh, created by Alexander Rublev. Um, and the three people there are depictions of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's certain images behind them that are tied to uh, some Old Testament um, images. Um, one, the hill in the background um, is, is often said to be the very hill that, that Lauren mentioned at Mamre, the, the one where Abraham met the three strangers. This image is a depiction of those three strangers, but also uh, the Trinity. The thing that, that I want to highlight about it is that space in the front we talk about. You can see um, right beneath, there's a little cup in the middle of the table, and there's a little square there. And that's uh, been said to indicate a space for humanity, a space for people to come and participate in the family. And that's really what we're talking about, that the source of hospitality, the source of this kinship idea comes from the very nature of God that gets expressed in that invitation for us to come and be part of family. And so that's what we're trying to establish, and that's what we're looking for in those passages. And again, you all highlighted some of those aspects really, really well. So thank you for being willing to participate in that. 
But I want us to close. Worship team, you can come back up. Um, the prayer team's gonna be available uh, if you want prayer for anything. Uh, lots of times this discussion can open up uh, prayer requests for, for relationships, some that are strained, some that are difficult, trying to figure out how do I do this uh, in my context? Uh, so so uh, the, the, the prayer team is there for you. Um, but the, the two questions are, what could it look like for you and or One Life, the church, uh, to make space for others to be family? And I want you to, to dream, like dream big dreams, think big thoughts, have feel big feelings, um, and really allow your imagination to, to go, both for you and the church. What could it look like? Uh, for us to make space for others to be family. And then also, what could it look like for you and I and or One Life to allow others to make space for us to participate as family, right? What, what could it look like? Because sometimes we, you know, sometimes even in building bridges, we kind of make it a one-way bridge, right? I'm, I'm gonna relate to you in, in this way, right? But what if someone wants to invite us into, into, into their world and into their space? What would it look like for us to, to participate in that uh, in, in ways as family uh, that we can? And so really think, uh, think big, dream big on these things. And then you can write these down on your connection cards um, or you can uh, text them or email them to us. Or you can get them on that digital connection card. Uh, we would love to hear responses to this because often this is how uh, we start thinking about how we're moving. Uh, you can talk to, to Lauren or I about the history of the tutoring ministry, but the tutoring ministry is one of the really great examples of this, uh, that it just grew out of Lauren participating with uh, a tutoring program, and just really, God was like, let's open these doors up. And, and really, it's been how many years now? 12 years of the tutoring ministry has been going strong because of hospitality. It continues to open up and, and you know, offers food and all kinds of things. So, so dream and, and big in, in these kinds of things. I'm going to pray. We'll close with a song and a benediction, uh, and then we will go on with our rest of our days. God, again, I give you great thanks for you being with us. Lord, in the Old Testament, you said you come and dwell with your people. You don't need a big palace or a, a temple or anything like that. You dwell amongst the people. You don't need to be locked into a space. But you're with your people. And Jesus, we see in you that you came and dwelt as one of us with us. And Holy Spirit, we see, as we see the wind move through the trees where love is present, where self-control is present, where gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all these things called the fruit of the Spirit, where these are present, those are the signs of your moving. And so we know you are present among us. You dwell among and within us. But I pray that we would take that model of hospitality, that model of kinship, as you've invited us to be family, we would have no, uh, no boundaries that would keep anyone from experiencing what it means to be part of your family. So really, God, give us discernment, give us wisdom, and, and open up our hearts to really, uh, really see your kingdom grow um, and, 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 and build. Um, yeah, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.